Well, at this time, we'd like to dismiss all of the students and elementary school kids down to their classes. You don't want to stick around for me anyways. Well, good morning. I want you to do that. Good morning. Hey, there it is. All right. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, my name is Ryan Jackson. I am on the leadership team uh, here at Kairos, and um, every so often I get uh, the opportunity to, uh, to come up here and preach, and so that is this morning. Uh, will you pray with me? Lord, would you give us soft hearts, open minds, and listening ears to what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been in this uh, summer series uh, exploring these seven I am statements of Jesus. Uh, and this morning is the last one in this series. Uh, and it comes from John 14. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I want to take just this quick opportunity to say thank you to the staff, to Joe and Miriam, for leaving maybe the most controversial of all claims that Jesus makes to me, the guy who preaches maybe once a year. So really, thank you guys for allowing me this opportunity. Uh, but what is the nature of the controversy surrounding this claim? Right? We hear how arrogant and how exclusive must this Jesus be to suggest that he might be the only way? Well, this morning I want to suggest that the way of Jesus is actually inclusive. That Jesus as the way is neither arrogant nor exclusive, rather quite the opposite when we consider who is making the claim. See, when we claim it, it is arrogant and exclusive. And that's because we are not without sin. But Jesus, on the other hand, yeah, it's a quite a different story. In order to confront this arrogance and this exclusivity, we have to consider who Jesus is and what his way and his ways are. Because what about the life or ways of Jesus remotely suggests arrogance or exclusivity? So this morning, we're going to consider the way of Jesus versus the way of the world. And so just know that that's kind of the frame by which I'm going to walk through this this morning. And you're going to hear me say this over and over again, which is the way of the world excludes, but the way of Jesus includes. And the particular way of Jesus that we're going to look at this morning comes from a really familiar story from the preceding chapter out of John 13. I'm going to give you the really quick overview of this chapter. Ready? First, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Then he predicts his betrayal. By the way, that betrayal by one of those disciples whose feet he just washed. Then he gives this new command. And then he predicts Peter's denial. 
And he goes on to tell the disciples that he's going to be leaving them. And in the very first part of John 14, Jesus comforts the disciples as everything is seemingly falling apart. So let's keep in mind that Jesus was speaking to his disciples, to his closest followers. And he's telling them that he's going to be leaving. And so as chapter 14 begins, Jesus is providing comfort and reassurance to these 12. In the first verse of John 14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You see, Jesus knows that his disciples, like us, get caught up in this way of the world. But this Jesus way, this Jesus way is vastly different. Now, all of this is the context surrounding this really significant claim. And so this morning, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be looking at these two very different ways. Because if nothing is different about Jesus, then he is the same as the world. And I am quite confident that Jesus is not the same. The way of the world excludes, the way of Jesus includes. And this morning we're going to look at four specific differences between Jesus and the world. And the first is this, that the way of Jesus is intimate, and the way of the world is transactional. Jesus washed their feet. In John 13, 2 through 5, we see this account. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here we see Jesus, right, sitting at this table. We know this story. Sharing a meal with his disciples. Meals are a personal, relational, intimate experience. I think it worth mentioning this one little detail that John includes in this account of Judas's impending betrayal. And yet, Judas is also the recipient of this gift. See, if the way of Jesus were transactional, Jesus would have every reason to have left Judas out of this intimate gift. Because the world says, if you do bad by me, good most certainly will not come to you. And yet, even Judas, Jesus includes in this act of intimacy. Have you ever had your feet washed? Have you ever washed the feet of another? If you have children, I'm sure you've done that. It's, well, it can be an intensely intimate, personal experience. 
For instance, if I ask for someone to volunteer right now and come on up here and allow me to wash your feet, who's doing that? I know someone will because there's some, like I know Philip would do it and my daughter Kayla would do it and you guys know her. Uh, but it would be a little strange, right? It'd be a little weird to sit up here with people watching, take your shoes off, let me, let me wash your feet. 18 years ago, with this basin and this towel, right before proposing to Judy, I washed her feet. This was a symbolic act of intimacy meant to prepare us for the question I was about to ask her. It was and is quite intimate indeed. You know, in working on this message, I got introduced to this book called The Jesus Way, hence the title of the sermon. I stole that from Eugene Peterson. By the way, really good book. But in it, he says this, the ways Jesus goes about loving and saving the world are personal. Nothing disembodied, nothing abstract, nothing impersonal. Incarnate, flesh and blood, relational, particular, local. The ways employed in our North American culture are conspicuously impersonal. Programs, organizations, techniques, general guidelines, information detached from place. See, to wash another human's feet or to have your feet washed is hardly a detached experience. The way of the world excludes, the way of Jesus includes. The way of the world is impersonal, it's transactional. The way of Jesus is personal, it's intimate. The second difference between Jesus and the world is that the way of Jesus is humble, and the way of the world is self-promoting. Jesus washed their feet. Right here we have the Savior of the world. In all humility, he gets down on his knees to wash the feet of his followers. Jesus humbled himself in this act. A far cry from the typical self-promotion that happens in the world. Now there's multiple implications and contexts of washing feet in this Middle Eastern culture. But one consistent implication about a master's feet being washed by slaves is that it was considered to be one of the lowliest forms of servitude performed only by slaves in bondage. It was an act that symbolically said, I humbly submit to you on my knees at your feet. And your feet being clean is more important than my dignity. I think Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, rightly captures the humble way of Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. The washing of feet is an act of humility. The person doing the washing has humbled themselves at the feet of the one they wash. They are literally on their knees in a submissive, humble posture. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorites, says this about humility. If humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. In this foot-washing posture, it would be quite difficult to think of yourself. Rather, your focus on the other, on their well-being. No one in this culture would want to promote themselves to be in the place of a humbled servant. They would prefer to be the master who is served. The way of the world excludes. The way of Jesus includes. But the way of Jesus is a way filled with humility. And I believe that humility comes out of the third difference, which is this. That the way of Jesus is love. The way of the world is indifferent. Jesus washed their feet in one of his final acts of love. He chose to wash their feet, certainly an act of love unfamiliar to most of the world. And we see towards the end of John 13, Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gives this command after washing their feet, after predicting Judas's betrayal, after predicting Peter's denial. Jesus loves in ways incomprehensible to the world. When Jesus washed their feet, he gave no explanation for his actions. It was a tangible expression of his love. And this is hardly an indifferent act. Most of us have heard it said that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. Now I can assure you, as a couples therapist in my normal job during the week, that this is unquestionably true. I so much prefer working with a couple where I am hearing a sense of hate than a sense of indifference. See, because I can reframe hate as we only hate things that actually matter to us. Reframing indifference is a much different story. In fact, it almost feels impossible. These are the people that have given up on fighting for their relationship. As a marriage therapist, this feels horrifically hopeless and overwhelmingly sad. And unfortunately, this is all too often the indifferent way of the world. Now contrast the world's indifferent, I don't care mentality to this beautiful, loving act of washing someone's feet. The way of the world excludes, the way of Jesus includes. Because this way of Jesus is love. And what a surprising act of love that it is, which leads to the fourth and final difference. 
And that is that the way of Jesus is upside down. And the way of the world is predictable. Jesus washed their feet. Here we see the master, the teacher, the Lord, the savior of the world, engaging in an act befitting a slave. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So here we have the master washing his servant's feet. The act reserved for slaves. Writer, pastor, and PhD Donald Craybill wrote a book called The Upside Down Kingdom. Now I'm going to warn you that this quote is quite long. Uh, I've broken it up, but I'll also tell you it does have a pretty logical flow. So even though it's long, it is not Karl Barth, like we've all gotten used to with Drew. So, in it, uh, Crable describes the significance of the towel and the basin. Jesus wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Crable says this, The towel and the basin are the tools of the slave. This upside-down king uses the common tools of the servant, not the royal symbols of sword, chariot, and stallion. It was customary in Palestinian culture for a household slave to wash the feet <coughs> of guests. As a master of his disciples, Jesus has the customary right to expect them to wash his feet, but he forfeits those privileges. As Jesus kneels to wash, the disciple sits in the master's seat of power. Jesus bends over and does the dirty work. No one forces him. He chooses to serve. He's willing to take orders. It would have been predictable in this Palestinian world for Jesus to have his feet washed by his disciples. But this is clearly not a predictable king. Jesus is an unpredictable, upside-down king. Crable continues, the towel and the basin have been called the tools and agents of shalom. They do the work a professional or a master would never do. These tools place us in the lower position, serving and raising the other to a superior one. In this one simple act, Jesus turns old social hierarchies upside down and replaces them with a new value, service. As we pick up the tools of servanthood and wash each other's feet, the distinction between master and servant fades. As we become servants to one another, we all become great ones in God's flat kingdom. Towel and basin behavior characterize his entire mission. In almost every instance, Jesus challenged conventional understandings. He upset the bedrock assumptions of the pious. He actively used the basin and towel to serve the helpless, irrespective of custom or position. The world expects to be served. Jesus says, nope, you'll be great by serving. 
The way of the world is predictable. The way of Jesus is upside down. This way of Jesus is not arrogant. It's not exclusive. When we take an honest look, those are not qualities consistent with the life and mission of Jesus. So yes, Jesus does say that he is the way and that there is no other way to the Father but through him. But his way is intimate and his way is humble. His way is love and his way is upside down because the way of the world excludes but the way of Jesus includes. So what for us? If this claim of Jesus as the way is inclusive because of who Jesus is, what then is our invitation? Well, back to Dr. Crable. I like the way he puts it. Jesus also invites us to join the basin trade. He invites us, however, to more than a periodic ceremonial ritual. He invites us to follow him with lives of service and peacemaking. He calls us to be people of the basin, not saints who sit on rocking chairs pondering the mysteries of God's salvation. Words without acts are empty. Acts of basin ministry authenticate our words. This call to an active basin ministry permeates the Gospels. We're asked to sell, give, love, forgive, lend, teach, serve, and go. And so this week, would you be willing to ask Jesus where you might follow his intimate way of serving? Who in your sphere can you love as Jesus loved? What is one tangible way for you to love in this Jesus way? Most of you are familiar with the vision of Kairos, but to encourage one another daily to follow in the way of Jesus. This way of Jesus that is inclusive. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this claim that you have made about being the way. We are grateful that you gave us a way. Father, would you help us to live out the ways that you have shown us. Help us to be basin and towel followers of you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.